0: What's going on everyone? and Welcome into Pleasant's podcast, filled with glitchy analysis and freezing cold takes so cold that they're boiling hot. And in today's show, we're going to pay tribute to one of the most memorable college football coaches of all time. We're going to talk about the World Cup and we're getting ready to lock it in with some of Pleasant's locks. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. Check out their website for deals for both carryout and delivery. Right now they have a phenomenal deal. Get a large one-topping pizza for just $7.99 when you order carryout. Thank you so much to Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. All right, and we are going to roll right in with a tribute to Mike Leach, the head coach for Mississippi State. He unfortunately passed away last night. I just wanted to pay tribute to one one of my favorite coaches in college football, over the past 10 to 15 years, this guy was probably one of the most interesting men on the planet. And not because he was adventurous, but because of how peculiar he was. He had an absolute pirate obsession. He is credited with designing and influencing the air raid offense, which has taken both high school football, college football, and pro football by storm. It's used on all three levels. Okay, His quote always. He even said it when he made a guest appearance on Friday Night Lights, Swing Your Sword. I'm not quite sure what that means, but I think that he meant try your hardest, be your best, and always shoot your shot. Like I said, this is one of the quirkiest members of college football. He inspired so many players. This story hit home for me. Gardner Minshew, a current player for the Philadelphia Eagles, struggled in the first three years of his college football career. As a matter of fact, in his fourth year, He told Sports Illustrated that he was going to go play for Alabama in his last year, but he was just looking to become like a graduate assistant. But Mike Leach called him while he was at Washington State and said, how would you like to lead the nation in passing? You know, like I said, Gardner Minshew, he was average. And he went to Washington State. He did lead the NCAA in passing for that year. He passed for 4,500 yards and 38 touchdowns. His senior season was, Launched him into an NFL draft where he was picked with the 178th pick. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but with Gardner Minshew and his adventure that he's gotten to go on so far in the NFL, being a fan favorite in Jacksonville and now being one of the best backups in the league, it's all due to Mike Leach's faith in him. And he put that faith in so many different players, and he is responsible for so many different NFL careers, most notably. Michael Crabtree with Texas Tech. I think everyone that's over the age of 20 remembers that game when Michael Crabtree caught that last second pass for Graham Harrell and walked into the end zone to to beat top five Texas in a complete upset in a, an amazing rivalry game that we're no longer going to get to see anymore now that Texas is moving into the SEC. Now let's just talk about what he did over his 23 year career as an offensive coordinator and a head coach. From 97 to 98 he was Kentucky's quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator. In 99 he went right to Oklahoma to take over as the offensive coordinator there. And one year later from 2000 to 2009 he was Texas Tech's head coach. There was a very strange dispute over a player and the discipline that which that player received uh, due to an injury and Texas Tech decided to fire him. But he decided to take his talents to Washington State and be a head coach there. After just seven years at Washington State, he landed this Mississippi State job, and he has really started to turn the Mississippi State program around. They finished 8-4 and four this year, and a lot of SEC experts did not really see that coming. Over his 22-year head coaching run, he was 158-107, three Conference Coach of the Year awards, and 16 winning seasons. There's not that many coaches out there that can say that. He got to compete with some of the best coaches out there. He got to compete against Chip Kelly, Nick Saban, Les Miles, Mac Brown, and he beat a lot of those coaches. Now, let's talk about something that's even more impactful, and that's his legacy. What is he leaving behind? Mike Leach's coaching tree is honestly pretty respectable. You've got Art Bryles who... I know he's dipped into controversy now, but he was a great coach at Baylor. Sonny Dykes, the coach of the year here at TCU. Dana Holgren, Seth Little, Lincoln Riley at USC, Dave Aranda, Cliff Kingsbury with the Arizona Cardinals, and Josh Heupel with Tennessee. All of these coaches and Hundreds, if not thousands, of coaches across the country now implement air raid offense-style plays. He has changed the game for the good. I hope that's not just what he's remembered by. I hope that everyone remembers his strange rants about turkey food and wedding planning and just being such a great man who has seen two different teams through tragic passings of players. At Washington State, they had their starting quarterback uh, decide to take his life and he had to lead his team through that. And just recently, a offensive lineman at Mississippi State passed away this year, and he really did see his team through that. I hope everyone can remember Mike Leach for being a good coach and an even better man. Our thoughts and prayers are out with his family tonight and all those players at Mississippi State that are going to be going through this loss together as a family. And now we're going to move into some of our World Cup coverage. I've been... Taking a step back from my World Cup coverage because you know I'm obviously supporting the U.S. The U.S. is out of it. But now we're getting into the final. We're getting into the last match. And today was the first semifinal match. We had Argentina versus Croatia. And oh my gosh, was this a dominant performance from Argentina. Croatia kind of held their own in the first half up until about the 29th minute. And from then on out, it was Messi and Argentina who took the show. Started with a messy penalty kick at the 34th minute. Beautiful kick. Absolutely gorgeous. You don't get to see kicks like that so often. And no less than like five or six minutes after, Julian Alvarez decided to back that up with yet another goal. Heading into half, it was 2-0. And this was all Argentina for the entire second half, and the rest is history. Messi assisted on another goal to take the lead, the points and assist tally. And he won his fourth Man of the Match award, which is the most in World Cup history. Argentina is going to advance to the World Cup final, and this is Messi's last go-around. Okay? He finally has another shot to take the World Cup trophy home. Now, let's talk about if he can do that. Is he the GOAT? Is he the greatest player of all time? According to Sports Illustrated, Messi was ranked number three all time back in 2019. Since then, he's won two more Ballon d'Ors, and he's got seven total, which is the most in world history. And it's not even close, in my opinion. I think if he could secure this World Cup, he is the undisputed go. There's not anybody else that can compete with the career he's had. The amount of time that he that he's had in his career, the prime that he has had in his career is longer than almost anyone else in football's history. Here and look, and here is his chance. And I really do think that he has a great opportunity to capitalize who will be his matchup in the World Cup final. Tomorrow, we've got France versus Morocco. Or should I say, France versus Cinderella. Morocco has pitched a shutout since the round of 16. They've only allowed one goal, including group play. They've had massive upsets against Spain and Portugal. And right now, I think this is the world's most popular team. I mean, Yes, everybody wants Messi to win one, but I think this has a lot to do with the Arab background that Morocco has. The entire Arab world, from North Africa to the Middle East into Eastern Europe, is supporting Morocco with everything that they've got. They have billboards in so many major cities, including Qatar, in support of these Moroccan players. Right now, I think that Morocco has all the momentum. Their coach even said, why can't we dream about winning the World Cup? What makes us so different from everybody else? Then he went on to compare his team to Rocky Balboa. Honestly, I love a good underdog story when it comes to tournament-style play-ins where you earn your spot. I think that Morocco has a good chance of beating France tomorrow, but it's all going to depend on if Mbappe will come to play for France. I think that he will. If I had to give odds on it, I would give France probably a 70 to 75% chance of winning. And I think it's going to be France versus Argentina in the final. And we'll talk about that in the next couple of days. All right, and now we are getting into the best part of the show, my favorite part of the show. I eat, sleep, and breathe this. Pleasant's locks. And, oh, my God, this is the banger of the century. We've got six teams, six locks. We're locking it up all over the place tonight. We're 33-13 and 13 on the year. That's pretty damn good. Okay? First up, NC State, minus 6.5 versus Furman. NC State's only three losses are to power five teams. And Taquerion Smith is one of the best players in the ACC right now. He's averaging 18-5 a game. I think that he's going to have a hell of a night. NC State is also 6-1 at home. And Furman has not played a formidable opponent in the last five weeks. I think they're sleeping on this NC State team. NC State minus 6.5. Book it. Next up, Hartford plus 8.5 versus St. Peter's. This is not your St. Peter's from last year. This is not that Cinderella team. Okay, They're 0-4 on the road, and they've lost their last three. All of Hartford's wins have come at home. 8.5 is a massive spread for two no-name teams. I don't trust it whatsoever. I love it. Give me Hartford plus 8.5. I'm taking a dog. Next up, LSU minus 13.5 versus North Carolina Central. How is this spread not more? The only teams North Carolina Central... Has beaten our fringe Division One teams and junior colleges. LSU is off to a flaming hot start. They're eight and one and five and zero at home, and they're winning by eleven points per game, and that's versus much better opponents than North Carolina Central. LSU has got a ton of experienced veteran transfers that know how to win. Just like KJ Williams, who's a senior from Murray State, he's averaging nineteen and eight. This is a big. Physical LSU team. North Carolina Central is a very small, finesse team. That doesn't play well when you come play in the SEC. LSU minus 13 and a half. Crank it. Next up, last college basketball lock Texas Tech minus 16 and a half versus Eastern Washington. And now, if Cooper Cup was on this team, huh, well, I'd say something different, but he's not. Texas Tech is 5 0 at home. Their only losses on the entire season is to Ohio State and Creighton. Those are pretty those are two pretty good damn teams, okay? Texas Tech is winning at home by 15 and a half points per game and they've once again faced better opponents. Eastern Washington is on a long road trip right now and they're very far away from home. That's like 25, 26 hours away from Eastern Washington. They just played in South Dakota 3 days ago. And they're one and four on the road. Give me Texas Tech minus 16 and a half. This team's gonna blow them out of the water. Now, we're moving on to NBA 76ers minus four and a half versus the Sacramento Kings. Joel Embiid is eating, and the Kings have no check for him. Okay, They're on game four of a long ass road trip, and the Kings are six and seven on the road. They've lost two of their last three. I don't buy them at all. I love what the 76ers have been doing recently. I just made Joel Embiid's MVP case last night. Give me the 76ers minus four and a half. Lock it in and take me straight to the bank. And last, but certainly not least, on this six-team lock evening, Pelicans minus two versus the Jazz. Pelicans, seven-game win streak. Jazz lost eight of their last 11. There's no check for Zion. He is an animal. He is eating. There's no one that can stop him right now. He just entered my MVP conversation. The Pelicans are going to make quick work of this terrible Jazz team. I don't know how they started out so well, but they are finally showing their true colors. They are awful. Give me the Pelicans just minus two. That's it. And that's going to do it tonight from Plizzolts Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope there was enough glitchy analysis and freezing cold tables to go around to everyone. We'll see you all tomorrow.